In Christian tradition, this fourth Sunday in Lent was traditionally a time of encouragement, went by many names. One of, one of the names was Laetare Sunday from the opening of the Mass that said, Oh, be joyful. This was a Sunday for joy, and the fast was relaxed for a day. Nowadays, we, of course, relax the fast every Sunday, but it was meant to be an encouragement, an encouragement to keep going. And so to those of you who are observing the Lenten fast, keep going because the blessings of the fast will soon cease being found in your own sense of accomplishment and will rather be found in some kind of new perspective on life. And for those of you who've begun but have relaxed completely, today is an invitation to begin again. And if you never started, it's never too late to start uh, the fast. See, fasting is sort of silly at some level. Doesn't make, it doesn't make sense. It makes no more sense than saying that it is in giving that we receive or it is in service that we find freedom or that it is in dying to ourselves that we become more fully who we are. So when we fast, we're reminding ourselves that we're not solely material beings, that we benefit from a certain distance from those around us because we have this experience of feeling like we're the only person in the world doing this strange thing. And we occasionally are blessed with a change of perspective now and again. It's in distance and perspective that we frequently find the newness of life that we are promised in the gospel. There are plenty of books in the self-help sections and business sections of bookstores and websites that uh, try and get at ancient spiritual truth from uh, modern and secular perspective. And one that I came across was introduced to recently that I like was called Hamlet's Blackberry. A man called William Powers, formerly the Washington, writer for the Washington Post, offers a meditation on how incredibly connected we are through media, social media, websites, etc. And, and it's an extended meditation on, on the power and value of being part of a crowd, and what's more, a large crowd, a huge, unimaginable crowd, uh, and being part of something uh, so much bigger that has many, many blessings uh, in this technological world. But unlike many who say, oh, it's a terrible thing and we need to hold it at arm's length, he recognizes the blessing, but says that it can be so powerful and so all-consuming that we fail to notice other aspects of our lives that are important. We get dulled, in some senses, by the power of this one, and so we miss this and this and this over here. And he's, he suggests various ways in which we can find a kind of distance for our own human benefit. Now, the story of the blind man calls forth the same thing for us. It's a, a meditation or a parable, in a sense. While we tend to see ourselves first in the blind man, I once was blind, but now I see, we do well to recognize ourselves in the crowd and to recognize how important some measure of distance can be if we are to really uh, have our own eyes opened, uh, see ourselves in the neighbors and see ourselves in the Pharisees, the religious people, and see ourselves even in the man's own family. And so a man born blind is given his sight he hears the word before he can see it. He hears the word before it is fully realized in his life. And that's really the primary point of John's story. But when we start looking at the crowd, it's the community that's known him all his life that fails to recognize him. 
This can't be the same chap, can it? Is not this the man who used to sit and beg? What's this lack of seeing about? See, we all get recognized by markers and by context to some extent. It's part of how we manage, how we navigate life. Uh, we, we have a sort of shorthand for recognizing each other a lot of the time. And that means that a lot of the time, we are not seeing each other for fully who we are. So remember, in Jesus' resurrection, it was only his friends who saw him. And it was then mostly only in characteristic acts that they recognized him. When he called Mary by name, when he had breakfast and walked across the water, when he broke bread on the road to Emmaus, that's when they recognized him. They were able to see him. The blind man's community, what did they see? They saw only a marginal person, only a disabled person, only a beggar by the side of the road. And then when his sight was restored, they couldn't quite believe their own eyes. We know how this works. I mean, I, I find it when, when those of you who are in the choir aren't singing the choir this morning and you walk out without your robes on, I have to take, I know you from somewhere. You know. And I see this in, in your eyes when, when if you only see me in church, investments and so on, and you run into me in the grocery store, it's like, what's wrong with this picture? You're not supposed to be here. You know, something's wrong. It just takes a moment to our second take. And so the crowd, the neighbors, have their world, in a sense, rocked, and they're trying to get things back to normal. They're trying to find the shorthand. They're trying to see the man as he's supposed to be. And yet something extraordinary has happened. And so they look for a bigger picture, and they go to the religious authorities. They go to the Pharisees in this case. Rather than celebrating the blind man's good fortune, the Pharisees are caught up with how to get the world back how it's supposed to be. What are they going to do confronted with that outlandish story? So they look for problems in the man's story. This man, how can a man who is a sinner, Jesus, who, who doesn't observe the Sabbath, how can he... How can he perform such signs, bizarre claims, troubling, so troubling? And they were divided. They couldn't agree among themselves what to do with this new thing, to suppress it, which is what they really wanted to do, or to somehow find a new way of embracing it, which casts everything into question. So they were divided. We know what this is like. They were divided much as we are when people start rocking the boat claiming their full humanity in society, women and African-Americans and GLBT folk and immigrants, to name some recent examples, embrace or exclude, take on something new or hang on to the world that we've come to make work for us. What is the thing to do here as our basic beliefs about how the world is supposed to be and how it is, and when we proclaim the true and pure faith and teach people how to do spiritual practice and to grow in their trust of God and teach each other that, what is the thing to do as our world is threatened and our people might be led astray? It's the Pharisees' question. How do we sustain the church if God is at work outside it? It's not that we choose to be blinded. It's rather that we... It's not even that we look away. It's more that we're caught up and pressed by our own concerns to make it hard to hear the testimony of the other and see the new thing that is happening. Can you see yourself in the crowd yet? Because I can see myself. 
So the religious people, they're trying to get their interpretation of the world back in place, and they resort to basic values, because it's all about the family, after all. That most building, basic building block of all that is good and righteous and holy and proper about our world, especially when we define it as a man and a woman with 2.4 children, a big shaggy dog, and a picket fence. <laughs> and when we ignore things like brokenness, and domestic violence, and trust betrayed, and all of those other things that go into families, or families that don't look like the families that we mean when we say family. So the religious people still looking to make this new thing go away and win political support. Political support by going for the family stuff over against the growing power of the Jesus movement. They call out for family values. And they go and check, with the check out the story with the man's parents. And the parents confirm that he was indeed born blind. But look at it. Even they don't want to let go of their world. Even they won't stand behind their son. They don't want to give up their friends, their community, their traditional ways, things that make sense, their church. They don't want to give it up. The gospel here is reflecting the later historical reality that followers of the way were eventually expelled from the synagogues, even though what became known as the Christian movement began originally as was one form of Judaism, one strain of Judaism among many. Even the man's parents were not willing to go the whole way with their son. He could speak for himself. You ask him. Don't ask us. He's got some weird views. So a man born blind was abandoned by everyone. Everyone. Neighbors, religion, even his own family. Abandoned by everyone except the one who gave him sight. And in the end, he heard and saw and worshipped the Son of Man, the one, the human, from whom he received respect and hope and newness of life along with his sight. As for the rest of us, surely we're not blind, are we? Well, we probably are blind in some sense if we can't imagine a new perspective, a new vision. If we can't sometimes get some distance from the crowd, sometimes renew our own sense of self. We can't give ourselves away in love if we're not a self, if we lose ourselves completely in the crowd, if we become lost in all the possibilities of technology of today. And we can easily be blinded by our habits and our customs and our unexamined assumptions and perhaps by certain kinds of addictive behavior. I used to be fairly anxious if I left home without my wristwatch, and now I will turn the car around if I've forgotten my telephone. I'm caught in it. We all are. And, and it becomes very hard to pursue our agenda and, and notice things that are different, things that are moving, things that are changing. A friend of mine, or a man I was with at a workshop, actually said recently, God is the Spirit is wildly active in the world, much more active than in the church, and we need to be opening our eyes to it. The ancient discipline of fasting is a really good one for achieving that distance. It's through attending to difference that we'll find our own eyes being opened, even when we decide that what is different is not for us. But it'll be a choice. The good news is it's never too late 
It's never too late to start. We're never too old to learn. There is always something new to see, really to see. And then in the seeing, as our eyes are opened, so we discover that we too are seen and noticed and cherished and granted newness of life. We are not blind, are we? Let us respond to the gospel in silence and in prayer.